Hallelujah. Welcome back, friends. God bless you. Welcome. And I believe this is a word of victory for you today. In Jesus' name. I'd like to start in the Word of God in Hosea chapter 4. If you turn with me there, please, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you and we praise you today. We thank you for each other. I, I, I thank you for each one of these, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I bless them. I bless their families and their households. And I praise you and I thank you, Father, that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Father, you know the plans you have for us. 
plans to do us good and not to harm us, plans to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. And Father, I pray that your plans go forth here in the name of Jesus as we as we uh, study your word together, Lord. I release the spirit of God, the spirit of revelation and wisdom and understanding. And I thank you, Father, that as we study your word, Father, we are growing in the knowledge of you, of who you are, and of how much you love us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're in Hosea chapter 4, there's a key scripture here. I want to talk today about spiritual warfare. I know we've done a few podcasts on it. I think it is something that we need to constantly refresh ourselves on. And in Hosea chapter 4, in verse 6, The Lord is speaking here and he says, read it with me. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being a priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. You know, there's such a, a weight to this word. So often, you know, Christians look at people who are unbelievers or who are, you know, um, don't believe in God or don't know anything about the Bible. And they tend to think, you know, there's a sort of a superiority complex with many. And yet here the Lord is speaking and he said, it's my people who are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And um, we need to be constantly uh, I suppose as we spend time as we abide in the vine and as we pray and seek the Lord seek his will uh, speak in tongues um, allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives knowledge increases knowledge of him and of who he is and you know the word knowledge here it's the same word as the tree of the uh, the knowledge of good and evil that was in the garden that the serpent tricked Eve into eating from Eve and Adam because Adam was right there with her. And that word knowledge, it translates to the knowledge of good and evil. It means discernment. It means having a skill of understanding. So, God's people are destroyed for not understanding evil as well as good. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. They were tricked and deceived by the devil. And it's what can happen to wonderful, God-fearing Christians who just, you know, are, are unaware of the devices and the trickery and the deception of the devil. And Jesus warned that even the elect will be deceived in the last days. So we need to up our knowledge um, and and our spiritual warfare. You know, keep upping the notches. (laughs) Um, And it doesn't just affect you and I. Because he says here, because you have forgotten the law of the Lord, the Lord your God, I also will forget your children. There is a, a repercussion and a consequence on the next generation because, friend, don't ever forget this. The devil is not just out to deceive you or to deceive me or anybody else. He is out for our 
our bloodline, our descendants, our children, our children's children. That's why the Lord, you know, in that wonderful um, father's ironic blessing and, and Richard, you know, God bless him. He's so faithful. He is our, our spiritual father in word of victory. And he gives that ironic blessing at the end of every service. And very often, you know, Aileen will will sing um, the blessing uh, for us at the beginning as well. And, and we use it to bless each other and to, to speak God's blessings over each person, over all of our nation, uh, upon not just us, but upon our children and our children's children and our descendants. And because this is key, families are destroyed uh, down the line, generation after generation. The enemy is never just satisfied with you. He wants all of you, your children, your descendants. And so it is up to you to arm yourself with the knowledge of how he operates and of how to stop him. And with the knowledge of the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus and what he actually did for us at the cross. This is what spiritual warfare is about. Yes, the battle is the Lord's, but every time God's people had to show up on the battlefield. And this is the thing. You know, we cannot be passive and apathetic because that has got uh, many people in, in serious trouble. There are snares, there are traps the enemy sets for people. And if you are unaware of his devices, of how he operates, of his cunning, of his deceit, um, you know, you will be, you will fall victim to that. And you are not a victim. You're not a survivor either. Listen to me. You're an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. There, very often the world will tell you, oh, you know, I, I, I am a survivor of this. And yes, that's great. You've come through it. But, you know, that that sort of gives this this impression of a hapless, helpless kind of an individual who's just sort of, you know, scraped themselves out of some kind of a hole by the, you know, just by the, the clinging on by their very nails or by their fingernails. Listen, that's not what the Lord speaks about you. You are more than a conqueror. Say it with me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is nothing impossible to me because I believe. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ, his son. And therefore, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. We'll get that straight before we start. Okay, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, this is Peter's epistle. And he was speaking to the church about shepherding the flock. And then he was giving them keys on how to resist the devil. And one of the keys is humility humbling ourselves before God and realizing, listen, Lord, I've tried to do it my way. It didn't work. I put my hands up. I ask you to forgive me and I surrender to you, Lord. And I humble myself and ask you, Lord, to lead me and guide me. Just like we said at the start there, that scripture when we prayed, it's in Psalm 119 verse 105. 
And it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we trust in the Lord in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Hallelujah. What a promise. That, you know, when we realize, when we come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, I just can't do it. I, it's, I don't have it in me uh, to keep battling on every front. And Father, I just put my hands, uh, I put my life into your hands, Lord. And I thank you as I trust in you, as I lean on you. There's this, this picture of, 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 of one leaning and clinging to the one who is almighty to the Most High God. And when we lean on Him, and when we cling to Him, and to the knowledge of Him, what happens is we're on the winning side. It's nothing got to do with our abilities or our accomplishments anymore. This is where the difference between pride and humility comes in. Because many people get very proud in themselves about their accomplishments, about all that I have achieved I am self-made. I am, you know, I have done all this. I have brought myself out of that place. And, and you know, fair play to you. You may have, have come through a lot in life, but listen, at some point, your strength will fail you. And, and you will not have the answers. And when that happens, great is the crash for the person who has always relied on themselves. It's called self-righteousness. And it it has no place in the kingdom of God. Our righteousness is not based upon ourselves, upon our accomplishments, upon, upon our brains, our intellect, our, our wealth, our, our status. You know, our righteousness is based upon the right standing that we have been given with God through the blood of his son Jesus. And when we realize that and we humble ourselves and know, Lord, I could never save myself. I could never make myself right with you. I could never make myself holy enough. Hey, go off and try it if you like. I'm sure maybe you have done. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Many people try to, to pay a price in order to make themselves holy enough and make themselves right enough with God. And it is futile. But praise God, there's a, there is a, a sweetness to the Lord to humility, because that's what Jesus, that was what the character of Jesus was. You know, Jesus wasn't dumb and he wasn't weak and helpless. He spoke that out himself. If he wanted to, he could call his father and he would send him 10,000 angels right at that moment to deliver him. But he humbled himself and he laid down his life so that we could live. And he told us then, you know, learn from me, for I am meek, not weak, meek, humble. That's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, if you want to check it. Anyway, let's look back here at Peter. He's telling us, God resists the proud in verse um, 5. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. How much of your care? A little bit? Oh, look, I'll cast this much upon him and, and I'll keep the rest myself and try and sort it out. No, he says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, 
the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Here, Peter um, alerts the believers to watch out and be on the alert because our adversary, the devil. Okay, Satan's name means adversary. And adversary means one who can oppose you in a court of law with a legal right on a legal basis. And this is very important. And this is where many, many Christians who, who know scriptures and, and who know the word of God have missed it. And, and going back to what he said in, in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We need to understand that the devil uses the word of God against us. In Zechariah chapter 4 and also in Revelation chapter um, 12, I think it is, it talks about how the accuser of the brethren comes before the Lord. In Job as well, he did it. He came before God to accuse God's people. And he accused them from the law, from the word of God. Because, you see, none of us could keep the law. None of us can make ourselves right with God or be perfect and holy as he is holy in ourselves. That is why we needed a savior. That's why Jesus came to die in my place, to die in your place, to pay the penalty that was due to us for our sins. Because the Bible tells us that the wage, the wages of sin is death. That's why he had to die. An innocent, uh, perfect human being had to die, uh, had to be sacrificed for the sins. And there could be, there was none found. So God said, I'll go down myself and do it. And he came in the person of his son, Jesus. And he laid down his life for us so that we could live, so that we could be saved, so that we could uh, receive the free gift of salvation, which means eternal life with God when we die, which should not be now. Okay? Listen, I don't care what age you are, but the Lord promises that the years of man are 120, and I'm sure you're not 120. So you've got to get that out of your head, that, oh, you know, some people die when they're 40, 50. That's premature death, and it's a curse. And you need to, to get right with, you know, get that right in your head. Go back to Psalm 91. What did he promise you? With a long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Anyway, stay on track here. Our adversary, the devil, he uses the word of God of where we have failed, of where we have sinned, of where we have fallen short, because Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so he uses the word of God against us in the courtroom of heaven before the throne of the great judge, God Almighty himself, our Father. And when we understand what was done at the cross, we can come into that courtroom. Um, in Psalm 100, it says, enter his courts with thanksgiving uh, and, and praise. We can come before the Lord 
into his courtroom through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. That's why Jesus had to go back when he met Mary in the garden after he was resurrected. He said, don't cling to me, Mary, because I have not yet been glorified. He went back to his father and brought his blood and said, here it is, father. That's why he said on the cross, it is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. So his blood is upon the mercy seat in the throne of God before his face. And we have the uh, privilege and honor of coming into God's presence as his sons and daughters through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. We have been joined together as heirs with Jesus Christ, grafted in, adopted into God's family as his own children. And how many of you know that adopted, when, when, when a parent wants to adopt a child, they want that child so much. And God wanted you so much, friend, and every person on this, in this earth he wants as his own. Unfortunately, many reject him. So, we are to be sober, Peter told us here, and be vigilant. That word sober means, you know, self-controlled and watchful, vigilant. Be on the alert because the devil is trying to get you to uh, succumb to his threats, to his uh, attacks, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A lion you know, goes around trying to devour his prey. But, you know, the devil is like a lion. He is only like a roaring lion. He can roar, but he has no teeth. And it is up to us to find out what God's word says about our uh, authority and dominion that we have been given through the blood of Jesus Christ as his sons and his daughters. We now operate from a place of authority in the kingdom of God. And we can... Uh, speak to the the devil and and break his power and come against those attacks coming against us and our families, against our nations even. By our prayer, by our intercession, by our understanding the good uh, and the evil, the knowledge of good and evil. Hallelujah. Praise God. So spiritual warfare, you know, needs to be imprinted upon each one of us we have the foundation our foundation listen friend your foundation should not be upon the end times or the tribulation or the the rapture or um anything like that or, or israel even and many people are focused on on this but listen our foundation needs to be upon the blood of jesus christ and the sacrifice he gave for us that's your foundation right and then spiritual warfare, the knowledge of good and evil, needs to be the next layer. And it needs to be imprinted upon each one of us. Our faith in Jesus, he is our cornerstone. And, and the cornerstone, you know, holds the whole building together. It's put in it with the foundation. And it's in order to strengthen the, the whole building. There are many Christians who are looking for the, the blessings of God. They're looking for this and looking for that. You know, it's like trying to put the roof on the house before the foundation has been put in. They have no knowledge of what Jesus was actually doing at the cross. They have no knowledge of how he was uh, disarming 
the devil. And wiping out, Colossians tells us, wiping out the handwriting of the law that was against each one of us. Hallelujah. Without knowledge, without discernment, without obedience and adherence to his word, you're wasting your time. You're trying to put the roof on before the foundation has been before the foundation has been put in. And that house will fall down. Come back to me in a minute. Praise God. Welcome back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And I pray, friend, upon you, that blessing upon you, upon your children, and upon your generations of your family. In Jesus' name and all your household. Thank you, Father. You know, if you come with me to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah. So, Nehemiah was a mighty man of God. He was uh, being held captive, actually, um, been taken captive from Israel and and he was in a quite a high position um you know in the place of his captivity which goes to show that when God's favor is upon you it doesn't matter what kind of circumstances or what kind of difficulties you're in you know the Lord's hand of favor and blessing will be upon you uh, quite like uh Daniel as well in the name of Jesus but anyway he was being held in 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 Persia and um he got news that Jerusalem's walls had been destroyed burned broken down and that Jerusalem was left desolate and it broke his heart and here in this place of difficulty in this place of captivity where he was basically a slave the purpose that Nehemiah had been created by God for came uh, to the fore Nehemiah was appointed by God to accomplish an impossible task but because of his love for God because of his prioritizing the things of God he tuned into God's heart and he worked the impossible with God's favour upon him. It was impossible in people's minds that Jerusalem could ever be great and glorious again because it had been ruined, ravaged uh, by marauding conquerors who had come, who had, had pillaged and, and, and taken captive her people, uh, burned down the walls, broken them down, laid siege on the city and destroyed it. And you know, it broke God's heart. And Nehemiah picked up on this. And in um, in the first three chapters, you know, it tells of how Nehemiah got the vision for rebuilding the wall, um, got the favor from the king in whose land he was living uh, as, a, as a captive, and got his favor to go and accomplish this job. The king gave him his blessing. He gave him the resources, everything he needed. He provided him with it. And you know, that's such a blessing to know that when God's hand is upon you, it doesn't matter where you are, but God will make the way. He will provide for you everything you need. People, resources, provision, finances, whatever it is. When God's heart 
is um, what's on your heart. And when you have, uh, and when we prioritize um, the building of God's kingdom, praise God. That's why he said in Matthew chapter 6, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. And then all these things shall be added unto you. Like I said earlier, you know, people try and put the roof on the house without any foundation. And and, and this is where houses fall down. This is where lives are collapse, where, where things that we have built on our own strength. Um, Jesus spoke about it actually in Matthew 7. In fact, I, re- I believe that Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, that there are keys in there to um to life really you know uh if you go and look at it yourself and read it friend it's just two ch- short chapters jesus directs us and instructs us you know to pray to worship god to seek god and seek his will to lean on him for deliverance from our enemies and from whatever circumstances that we find ourselves in to obey his word and the fact is, obedience is better than sacrifice to God. To not worry, to instead trust in God. Um, to don't be judging, don't be judging others, only judge ourselves. This is something that is key because it's some, a ploy the enemy uses where he gets us to focus on other people's flaws and other people's faults instead of dealing with our own issues. It's so much easier, isn't it, to, to look at other people and help them sort their problems without ever having to delve into that dark place of our own issues and our own problems and, and how we feel about ourselves. It's so much easier to point the finger and to judge and and that's Jesus warns against that it's a trap by the devil don't judge only judge ourselves he tells us to ask to seek and to knock keep knocking keep asking keep seeking keep thanking the lord for breakthrough you know um persist the enemy he, this is the reason we have to engage in spiritual warfare is that the devil's main objective is to make you give up and give in, to make you get discouraged and fall down, to divide and conquer. Then in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus goes on to say, you know, to to get us to question ourselves as to which path are we on? Because the path uh, in the kingdom of God is a narrow path and few find it. But the path to hell and, and the devil's path is broad, it is a wide, you know, ultra large motorway and it is very easy to get on that pathway. And we need to be careful. And then finally, he tells us to build securely in, in Matthew chapter 7. To build our house on the rock. Don't use bad building practices. Build securely on the rock and then no matter what wind, no matter what storm, no matter what kind of a storm comes, our house will not fall. And this is something that Nehemiah tuned into. He tuned into God's heart and it looked like an impossible task to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Let's pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 4. Of course, 
when the enemies of God heard that Nehemiah was going to try and rebuild the walls, oh, they came out in force. And, you know, these these looked like Nehemiah's enemies, but they weren't. They were God's enemies. And this is something we find very often. You know, is the enemy will use people around us to discourage us, to talk us down, to tell us how impossible it is, to tell us that things can never change, to tell us that, you know, just all the negatives. And we need to be careful about whose company we're keeping. Are we keeping the company of God from the Word of God where he tells us that all things are possible? Or are we keeping the company of of people in the world, of people who are being led by the enemy, you know, and and they telling you that, you know, all things are impossible. <laughs> Praise God. In chapter 4 of Nehemiah, Sanballat was one of these um, enemies of God and enemies of Israel, enemies of Nehemiah. It so happened when Sanballat heard we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant. It's amazing how the devil's people can get very indignant at the things of God. You just laugh at them. And he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up in it, he will break down their stone wall. So this is what the enemies were saying. They were mocking and despising Nehemiah and his his people who were in agreement with him. And what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. He just ignored them and prayed instead, trusted God. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. And then he goes on to say in Nehemiah 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 6, So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. You see, the people who were in agreement with Nehemiah, he put out the clarion call and they responded, the ones whose hearts were turned to the Lord. And they were in agreement and in one accord. Praise God. If only the church could get hold of this. By the church, I mean, you know, the body of Christ on this earth. Now it happened. Okay, so the wall was built halfway up. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. And this is what happens, friend. When you make a stand for the Lord and when you trust in him, oh, You need to know how to cover your back because your enemies will conspire behind closed doors in agreement against you. And that is for sure. The enemy has never changed. He has no new tricks up his sleeves. But I guarantee you that, you know, if you have a heart for the Lord, you need to know how to protect yourself. 
And, you know, I, I've spoken before, I think, about it with Psalm 64 and Psalm 109 as well. And hopefully we might get a chance to read Psalm 109 shortly. But Psalm 64 and Psalm 109 are two mighty Psalms of, of uh, spiritual warfare and of using the word of God to uh, vindicate you against your enemies. Because you see, the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. We are not to get revenge on our enemies. We are not to uh, to be judging them because they're being used by the devil and they don't even know it. And like I've said, you know, before, and I'm not sure whether I said it on the last podcast, the very second last thing that Jesus said on the cross was, Father, don't hold this against them for they don't know what they're doing. They're doing this in complete ignorance because they are deceived and they are under a spell by the devil. And it's by it's called witchcraft. And, you know, somebody needs to stand in the gap for those people because they are God's people. He loves them in the same way that he loves you and I. And so uh, uh, as much as spiritual warfare is important, intercession is equally as important. Mercy, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, says the Lord. You know, he told, Jesus told the Pharisees and the leaders, uh, the religious leaders who knew the word of God off by heart. They knew it inside out. And he told them, go and learn what this scripture means. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, says the Lord. He told them, you know, your, your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. Because when our heart is not in tune with the good shepherd, and his heart is for that lost sheep. And this is key. Hallelujah. But anyway, Nehemiah's enemies conspired and came together in order to attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. And this is exactly the same, I guarantee you, in your life. That there is confusion, there is disorder, because it is being stirred up by the enemy. Because if you have made the Lord Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour, if you are standing on God's word, if you are trusting in Jesus, and if you are leaning on him for your breakthrough and for, for your life, if you have built your life on the rock that is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, then I guarantee you, your enemies are conspiring behind your back. The devil is using people. He's using circumstances to try and make you fall. And he will do everything he can. And confusion is a, is a massive uh, ploy by the devil. Stirring up confusion, stirring up distractions, stirring up strife and all kinds of anger and, and, and offense and all these things. They are distractions by the enemy. Nevertheless, in verse 9, we made our prayer to God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. This is what people need to do, is set up a watch. Be on guard. Like we read in Peter, he told us, be sober, be vigilant, be alert. Watch out for your enemy. Don't be stupid. Oh, all people are lovely and I'm going to love all people. Yes, you are to love all people, but you are to, to stand watch and, and watch out for the enemy because that's how he sets up traps. People can be all smiley to your face and, and can be sticking a dagger in between your shoulders in your back. So we need to be aware, just as Nehemiah was, he set up a watch against them day and night. Then reports came from Judah, uh, you know, that the laborers are failing. There is so much rubble. We're not able to build the wall. They started to get tired. 
like we all do. Exhaustion and fatigue, I can't do it anymore. You know, and, and this is a real uh, thing. And our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn they will be upon us. Here, picture the scenario. They're working, they're laboring together, they're helping each other. The the gaps are being filled. The wall has been built halfway up. And now the reports start coming, the negative reports. Oh, people can't stick it anymore. They're fed up, they're tired, they're exhausted. We just can't do it. There's too much. This is overwhelming. People are just overwhelmed. And then the reports came from the enemy. This is what the enemy is saying. He's going, they're going to do this to you. They're going to attack you from every front. And, and you know, the people who were bringing the report were Jews who were living near the enemy. These can often be other Christians giving you negativity and trying to drag you down because they've been listening to the enemy. Who is influencing you? Therefore, what did Nehemiah do? In verse 13, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Hallelujah for Nehemiah. He, the Lord had anointed him to stand strong. He wasn't stupid though. He had them armed. And in Ephesians 6, you know, the Lord speaks about putting on the full armor of God. Every day we need to put on the armor of God. That that helmet of salvation that keeps our head right. That breastplate of righteousness that keeps our heart right and peaceful. That buckle of truth that keeps our morals and our principles right. That shield of faith with which we quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of trusting in God and knowing that he is on our side and he will deal with our enemies. The the uh, shoes of the gospel of peace that keep us walking peacefully and make sure that everywhere we go we are aware that we are bringing a fragrance and an atmosphere with us. Is it an atmosphere of peace and love and joy or is it an atmosphere of, of strife? Do people look when they see you coming and say, oh no, here she comes, here he comes, quick, hide. Or do they say, oh, I'm so glad to see you today because every time I come around you or get into your presence, there's something about you. What kind of an atmosphere, what kind of a smell are you leaving behind you? What kind of a smell or a presence are you bringing? Is it the presence of God or is it the presence of strife and anger and judgment and bitterness and offense and fear? What is it? Because what it is, is who you're being influenced by. Either the Spirit of God whom we are supposed to be led by when we are filled by his Spirit or else it is the Spirit of the Antichrist, the devil. And it is a spirit that creates confusion and strife and all kinds of negative things. So Nehemiah had them armed. And remember the last part of that armor in, in Ephesians 6. If you look it up later, Ephesians 6, 10, from there down. It talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here Nehemiah had them armed with their swords. 
And in the old covenant, they needed physical swords to fight their enemies. But today in the new covenant, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we need the spiritual sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that is how we defeat the enemy. And in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came back or when he was out in the wilderness and when he was at his lowest point before the cross, he was exhausted, he was hungry, he had been fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights and it was then the enemy came. Remember that, it's when you're tired that the negative uh, report will come. It's when you're tired and overwhelmed that the enemy will come in. But guess what? The spirit, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of God will raise up a banner against him. The spirit of God is in the word of God. And when God's word is inside of us, that is what comes out of us in in, in every circumstance, in every difficulty. It is the word of God that will come out of us. It's what came out of Jesus in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. The devil came to tempt him and he, you know, questioned his identity, he questioned his authority, he questioned his purpose. And every time Jesus answered him with the word of God. And that is what made the devil leave. That's why Peter said, resist him in the faith, steadfast in your faith. It is through the word of God is the only way that you have the authority over the devil. And so here, Nehemiah stirred them up and reminded them, listen, this is not just about you. It's about your sons, your daughters, your wives, your children, your families, your homes. And that's what I've been speaking about earlier on. The devil is not just interested in you. It's your children and your children's children and your descendants. Because praise God, when we know the Lord and when we are led by his spirit, we are are leaving a legacy behind for all of our descendants. Because the Lord said, you and your household shall be saved. And I praise God for those ones who have gone on before us in our families. Those people whose hearts were turned to the Lord. And maybe they didn't know the the whole Bible. Maybe they didn't know, you know, uh, all the information that, that we have nowadays. But those ones who love the Lord, we are here because of their legacy. And our children and our descendants will be here because of the legacy that we leave behind. Is it going to be a legacy of curse or will it be a legacy of blessing? The choice is ours. In verse 15, and it happened, this is Nehemiah four fifteen, And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So again, peace was restored and they went back to their work in one accord with one heart. Once they realized that they were armed and that they were ready and that they fully understood, they had the knowledge of good and evil. They had the knowledge that God was with them and they had the knowledge of what their enemy was plotting and they had armed themselves ready to defeat that. Hallelujah. In verse 16, so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Praise God. So Nehemiah had it set up 
that their backs were covered. And you need to make sure, friend, that your back is covered against the threat and the plot and the bullying and intimidation of the enemy. Have your back covered. How you have your back covered is by increasing and growing in your knowledge of God, in your knowledge of spiritual warfare, in using his word as your weapon in Jesus' name. The one who was had who sounded the trumpet was beside him. Then I said to the nobles and the rulers, the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we laboured in the work and half the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At that same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. So Nehemiah had them so prepared that he told them, listen, you need to come into the city at night. Get in underneath the shadow of the Most High God. That secret place is where you will be protected and preserved. That's what Jerusalem was signifying there. And then he said, not only that, but we will set watchmen day and night. And friend, you need prayer. I need prayer. We all need prayer. We need to cover each other. And you know, in word of victory, praise God. I I bless God for the faithful people we have who have joined together. and, And, you know, we pray for each other. We pray for all of our our church family. We pray God's hand of protection upon you every day. We pray for God's wisdom for you. We pray for God's favor and blessing upon you in Jesus' name. And, And we need to be doing that for each other. And the trumpet is, you know, the sound that would rally them when there would be trouble. And praise God, we're coming into the the season of the festival of um, the the new year in 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 the Hebrew calendar, and the feast of trumpets, and the day of atonement, and the feast of tabernacles, and these are three high high days to the Lord. And you know, the feast of trumpets is where the trumpets are sounded, the the shofar is sounded right throughout the land of Israel, to call people to remind them to judge themselves and to make atonement for their sins. And that's what Jesus was doing when he came. He made atonement for our sins. Praise God. And he is coming back one day. And he's coming back at the sound of the trumpet. The trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will raise. Hallelujah. And we will be joined together with the Lord in the air in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And that is the hope we have. Jesus is coming back. And that's why the enemy is stirring up so much trouble, so much strife, so much craziness in the world right now, is because he does not want God's word to be fulfilled and come to pass. But before Jesus comes back, and I, I don't believe it's going to be, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it might be tonight or it might be tomorrow. I don't believe it is coming yet. Because I'll tell you why. The harvest has to come in. And the harvest is the inheritance that Jesus has been promised. And it is the souls of the people who, whose hearts are turned to the Lord. Whose, uh, his people. God said to Jesus in Psalm 2, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. So the glory of God is, uh, is being poured out at the moment and is about to be poured out in the greater glory. And... 
we are going to see a harvest of souls, of people coming into the kingdom of God, of people, their eyes being opened and of them realizing whose they are. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is the the purpose that we have been created for, is for the kingdom of God to come down upon this earth. That's why he said, you know, pray, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. It's a kingdom of victory. It's not a kingdom of fear. It's not a kingdom of sickness. It's not a kingdom of being overwhelmed. It's the kingdom of overcomers through the blood of Jesus Christ who know they are, who know who they are and whose they are in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Nehemiah, they didn't even take their clothes off at night. They slept in their clothes and, you know, they put in long days. And, and this is the thing, is that there is a commitment required by the Lord for us. Uh, religion tells you, oh, look, you, you can just do, you know, uh, your, your 20 minutes maybe once or twice a week or maybe once or twice a year. And, and that'll do you fine with God. You've done your little bit. No, sorry, friend. You know, the kingdom of God, it's not a, a one-time uh, visitation like the way you go to the ATM you stick in your card and you say give me out 30, 30 euros or 30 dollars or you go to the McDonald's window and you say I want a chicken nugget meal and I want uh, this and I want that and give it to me now the kingdom of God is uh, a whole way of life and it is a, a commitment to the things of God and a commitment to his word and his principles and his Uh, plans for your life and we're all on a journey and this is where many people miss it and this is why they never uh, they they blame God then and they say oh my prayers never got answered and uh, God is not real anyway there's a lifestyle and it's a lifestyle of kingdom living for the glory of God in Jesus name hallelujah thank you father so Let's flick on to chapter 6, just to finish this and bring it, bring it home. The, uh, Nehemiah's enemies conspired against the workers and their tasks. He didn't want Jerusalem to rise again in its glory. And it's no different today. You know, the, Israel is key to world affairs. Israel is the reason that uh, President Trump is under so much pressure and I encourage you friend be careful about what you say about President Trump and be careful about what you say about the land of Israel and the judgments you make against God's people praise God it's a trap by the enemy but anyway it's no different today they laugh they laughed first and they mocked but then halfway through they they got outraged and they conspired against him but god outsmarted the enemy and he laughs at their feebleness he prepared and enabled nehemiah to rally the people to prepare to equip to ready them and he gave them a strategy through discernment obedience and through their adhering to his instructions they were victorious they anticipated the enemy's tactics even to foregoing their own comfort and their, their own needs in order to get the job done. And, you know, it went on in 
Let's go to chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6. The enemy lied about Nehemiah. He, they, His enemies lied about him. They tried to deceive him. They tried to get him to, to come to the temple and, 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 and curse himself. And uh, But Nehemiah just kept praying to God. He just kept bringing it to the Lord, praying, and he kept his back and the people's backs covered. And then in, in chapter 6, in verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. In 52 days, they rebuilt the entire city walls. And you know, they did it together. And they did it men, women and children. They did it as family groups. I encourage you to read this yourself, friend. You need to read this through. They they worked together on each of them, their own piece of the wall, together with their families. And you know, the family is, is exactly what the enemy is, is trying to break up in our society, to dispel uh, the covenant of marriage dispel the the uh, sanctity of the family because it was a family that God created in the garden and it's a family that the Lord operates through. He, that's why he said in you know when Saul and um, or Paul and Silas were in prison and when in in Acts when the prison uh, the earthquake and and the prisoners were all freed the jailer came and it says he and his household were saved. It's no different today. The Lord is not just interested in you. He is interested in your whole household, in in redeeming, saving, delivering, healing, restoring and reconciling you and your household and bringing restoration for what the devil has done to you and to your family. And so this was such a, a wonderful uh, miracle in 52 days, the whole city had been rebuilt, the walls of it. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. And this is the thing, friend, is, you know, that your enemies will see the hand of God upon your life. And people will say, this can only have been God. God wants to turn your life around. He doesn't want you on the gutter heap. He doesn't want you as an outcast. He doesn't want you living defeated or living as a failure in your eyes or anybody else's eyes because in God's eyes, you are his precious son. You are his precious, beautiful daughter. He loves you and he wants you to enjoy success because you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. And this is what the book of Nehemiah is. It's a book of overcoming. And it is a template for us today in the kingdom of God. Because even though the, the, the environment may be different, even though the work may be a, a different work, it is a foreshadow and a prophetic foreshadow of everything that is going on in our lives and in our world. And, you know, God's word never fails. Hallelujah. The work was done supernaturally by everyone working together on their own piece of work, yet with one heart and mind. Oh, that the church, the body of Christ could grasp this. The bride's greatest problem is how the enemy gets in to cause division and strife and thus defeat and powerlessness. This is why the church is powerless because of the lack of agreement and one accord. 
can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Listen, you can't even walk in your own life, friend, if you don't have agreement within yourself. So many people are in conflict with themselves inside. There's conflict going on and they're divided of soul. They're divided of heart, even in themselves, not to mention with their husbands, with their wives, with their children, with their families, with their communities and and with the church at large. The church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. The church is the body of Christ, the believers in Jesus Christ who have uh, acknowledged him as Lord and Saviour. That is what the church is. And oh, that the church would get that. Offence, division, not listening to instruction, not adhering, not abiding in God's word. These things all uh, work together to create powerlessness. And the, the, the joy of Nehemiah, and he went on later to, to explain it to the people, that the joy of the Lord is their strength. Hallelujah. And even their enemies had to see that this work was a work that was done by God. Friend, no weapon that's fashioned against you shall prosper. That's Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. And every tongue that has risen in judgment against you I condemn in Jesus' name. I praise you and I thank you today, Father, for your mighty blessings on my friend here. That your, your son, your daughter, Lord. You love them. You want them to live victorious. And I pray, Father, that their eyes would be opened in the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that they would be led by your Spirit, that they would be taught by you, Father, and that they would live victorious as overcomers, as your children, as the, 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 uh, with the authority that has been given to us by your Son, Jesus. We praise you and we thank you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine on us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. O, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the people uprightly and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Then will the earth yield its produce, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. The Aaronic Blessing The Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen.